Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This week, the Disney remake department turns its attention to Aladdin. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. A by-the-numbers remake of a Chilean festival favourite, Gloria Bell. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And Nicholas Holt talks about getting under the skin of Lord of the Rings creator J.R.R. Tolkien. I think Tolkien realises when he's older, post-war, that that's something that art can heal and change and people need those escapes and, and also reflection and, and that's why it's so important. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. One of those questions often asked by children and other members of the audience class is where do stories come from? It's asked rather more rarely by people in the actual story business, writers, producers, studio owners and movie distributors, because usually they think they know the answers. Where do stories come from? Easy. You pinch them. The only idea more overused than serial killers is multiple personality. On top of that... You explore the notion that cop and criminal are really two aspects of the same person. See every cop movie ever made for other examples of this. Mom called it psychologically taught. All right, perhaps that's a little simplistic. Sometimes you don't actually steal them. You borrow ideas from them. You're influenced by them. You reshape, remould and reboot them. But deep down, yes, that's right. You take somebody else's idea and the trick is what you do with it afterwards. As old as time, song as old as rhyme, beauty and the bee. The old classic Disney animated features often pinched ideas that had already been pinched and repinched for centuries. Fairy stories like Beauty and the Beast, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, and in 1992, that old Christmas panto favourite, Aladdin. Say the magic words. Genie, I wish for you to make me a prince. Hooray! Hang on to your turban, kid. We're going to make you a star. What was interesting about the first Disney Aladdin was how much of the old familiar tale they missed out. Goodbye, Aladdin's mum, widow Twanky, and the rest of the casual racism of Victorian England. Goodbye, new lamps for old. Instead, a whole new world was imported from elsewhere.
It was actually mostly pinched from an earlier film called The Thief of Baghdad, hence the relocation from China to the Middle East. But Disney's crack story team blended the two bits successfully, and now it's back in a rather too literal cover version, albeit for a whole new audience. Do you want to? How? Every door is guarded. Who said anything about a door? What are you doing? Sometimes, princess. Sometimes you just have to take a risk. Meanwhile, over on the grown-up side of the street is another bit of daylight robbery. Though in an only-in-the-movies switch, the filmmaker has robbed himself. Chilean writer-director Sebastian Lello had a smash hit with his film Gloria, about a feisty 60-year-old woman who refuses to give up on her dreams. Who is this guy, Mom? I love you, you understand? Get away from the car! Gloria! One, two, three! (laughs) This woman is... Now Lelo's made a new version, American this time, and starring Julianne Moore as the lightly renamed Gloria Bell for pretty much the same audience. Why, you wonder? You can only suppose there are dyslexic fans of art films who can't read subtitles. This is for them. Last and best, a story about a man who did more to inspire story writing than anyone in the last century. Follow the rhythms of language. I have to tell you, Mr. Tolkien, I've never come across anything like it. There was certainly fantasy before J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings, but it was generally tucked away in the dusty corner of the bookshop marked children. After Tolkien, fantasy ended up taking over the whole shop. And later in the show, I talked to the star of the movie, Tolkien, Nicholas Holt. But first, the return of Aladdin, lightly cleaned up for a more sensitive century. How did you get past the guards? That was challenging. You cannot just break into a palace like you own the place. If you don't have anything, you have to act like you own everything. The justification for Disney's policy of live-action versions of all the animated hits, new lamps for old, if you like, is that technology has changed so much that kids no longer want to watch the old films. 2D hand-painted animation, even in colour. Today's young audiences, we're told, deserve better. And let's face it, the profits on new stuff are infinitely bigger than reissues these days. Fair enough, I suppose, except by doing mostly blow-by-blow cover versions like Aladdin, you rob the film of the inspired freshness that made the original such a hit. Now try your best to stay calm, brush up your Friday salon, then come and meet a spectacular coterie. Friends Ali, my ears, he Ali the songs are the same, give or take a tweak or two in the name of cultural sensitivity. The story and much of the script is the same. And Will Smith playing the genie is clearly very aware of the respect generated by his predecessor, the late Robin Williams. Hey, can you make me a prince? There is a lot of grey area in Make Me a Prince. I could just make you a prince. Oh, no. Y'all see my palace? 
But it's a story that's new to its young target audience, so get over it. And credit where credit's due, the casting is certainly more authentic than the original. Where a purely animated film could cast an all-American voice cast, the live-action version draws on Egyptian, Iranian, Moroccan and Indian actors to play the leads. What would I have to do? There's a cave of wonders. Bring me the lamp. All right, the pickiest of nitpickers could point out that there are no actual Iraqi actors in a film set in Baghdad. And less ideologically driven critics could point out that the cast of this Aladdin, apart from the breezy Will Smith having his own sort of good time playing the genie, is a little underpowered in the star quality department. I thought a princess could go anywhere. Not this princess. Do you trust me? Mena Masood as Aladdin, the thief of Baghdad, is a likeable, if slightly forgettable, presence. Naomi Scott as the Princess Jasmine, wandering through the bazaars to find out what simple folk are thinking, is beautiful and a little feistier than her 1992 sister. You stumbled upon an opportunity. I can make you rich. Rich enough to impress a princess. But Marwin Kenzari as the evil Jafar definitely needed to go to Alan Rickman villain classes before he sent Aladdin down the cave to pick up the magic lamp. Aladdin finds himself stuck in the cave with his pet monkey. Everyone in this film has a pet of some sort, even Jafar. And a grubby lamp. Go on, Aladdin, rub it. You know you want to. Great one who summons me, I stand by my oath, loyalty to wishes three. I'm kidding, watch this. Watch out! I dread to think what this film would have been like without Will Smith, who seems to be in charge of energising it single-handedly. Aside from him, this copy of Aladdin is almost entirely devoted to the old adage, don't mess with the formula, except once. You look like a prince on the outside. But I didn't change anything on the inside. Showtime. No, I'm in charge, okay? I say when it's time. Really? Possibly while the Disney formulaic reboot department was distracted, director Guy Ritchie, a man I'd never given any credit for creative originality before, quietly created a couple of delightful opening and closing scenes about the whole business of storytelling. I'm not saying all is forgiven, Guy, but I am saying that man deserves a beer this time. Do you trust me? What did you say? Do you trust me? The 2013 film Gloria was a delight. Set in Santiago, Chile, it told the story of an attractive 60-year-old woman determined not to go down without a fight. Not for her, cliched book clubs, dance classes and old folks' choral groups. Gloria spends her evenings clubbing. Life just goes by in a flash like that. I know. You tell me the same thing every ten years. 
The Latino Gloria is adaptable enough to be able to transpose to Anglo-America, I suppose. But the simple transcription of the script and recasting of stars Julianne Moore and John Turturro means that, as usual, something gets a little lost in the translation and the renamed Gloria Bell. Love is in the air. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And I don't know. Gloria is a woman looking for love 12 years after her divorce. Her grown-up children have their own lives, though you notice they tend to rally around mum when they need something. But while she goes out of her way to help others, what about Gloria herself? Doesn't she deserve more than she's getting? Hello? Are you asking me out? Ow, ow. You want more of the sides? Uh, A little bit more than that, actually. Of course she does, says the film. And one night, across a crowded room, Gloria finds herself being eyed up by tall, dark and passionate Arnold. All goes according to plan, and not just to plan, but according to her favourite songs on her favourite radio stations. And partly because I knew what was coming next, I found myself being sidetracked by Gloria and the film's choice of music. <laughs> I can't get you out of my head. Happened to me with you. I thought it was never gonna happen again. Taste in music is a very personal thing. In my case, why was I drawn to the Guardians of the Galaxy's famous mixtape of cheesy 70s hits, The Gift of Star-Lord's Late Mother, while the track list of solid gold Kiwi hits in the film Daffodils mostly left me cold? Would I have liked that film better if it had included a few more of my own favourite numbers? Happy birthday, sweetheart. My ex-husband. Then you were in love. No, no. <laughs> Wasn't an easy situation. Really? I searched for your eyes. I didn't exist. Well, similarly with Gloria Bell, which opens with generic 70s disco, not my favourite genre, and then cuts to Gloria bellowing along with Olivia Newton-John. Because it gets me nowhere to tell you no. Hi, Peter. I haven't heard from you in a while, so I thought I'd give you a call. Um, that's it. I love you. It's your mother. It gets worse, though I'm sure Julianne Moore and Sebastian Lello wouldn't agree with me, as the soundtrack wallows in wings and air supply, Bonnie Tyler and the egregious John Paul Young. Love is in the air. <laughs> a little more, a little more. If you were water, I'd be a glass. If you were a foot, I'd be a sock. <laughs> Perhaps one of the reasons I enjoyed the original Gloria so much more was that the songs were often unfamiliar to me. Therefore, I had no history with them. Unlike Gloria Bell, even the title number wasn't the right Gloria for me. Calls me every five minutes. Don't pick it up. I won't. Is that him? Yeah. Oh, my God. Honey, this guy could die tomorrow. We could all die tomorrow. Would I have warmed to this retelling of Gloria's story more if the soundtrack had included Van Morrison's Gloria, along with some Stones, Arcade Fire, Kate Bush and Half Man, Half Biscuit? Well, possibly not, but I wouldn't have dreamed of inflicting these artists on an audience insisting they made up the soundtrack of their lives. No, they didn't, just mine, which is why I felt equally excluded by Gloria Bell. When the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing.
Writer biopics are difficult enough since in real life most of their lives were pinned to a desk, screwing up pieces of paper and chucking them in the bin. Add to this the fact that this writer was an academic whose specialist subject was philology, though he became well known for a fairly boys-only tale back in the day. So, not an easy sell, you'd think. You invented an entire language? Yes. I made stories. Legends. Tell me a story in any language you want. But The Boy's Own Tale was not only one of the greatest books of the last century, but it permanently changed fantasy novels, comic books, movie blockbusters and the New Zealand film industry. It was Lord of the Rings, of course, and against all odds, the story of its creator, J.R.R. Tolkien, is epic in its own way. Sweeping, grand, touching, scary and very romantic. I'm joined by the star of Tolkien, Nicholas Holt. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Hello, thank you very much for having me. That was a, lo- that was a lovely introduction to the, to the story. I just wonder whether it's possible to overstate the importance of J.R.R. Tolkien. There seems to be life before Tolkien and life after him, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, completely. His work has influenced pretty much everyone's life. Even if they're not a fan of The Lord of the Rings and not aware of the world he created, they've probably spawned other shows and novels and things that people are a fan of. And as you say, his, his love of language was so phenomenal, his understanding and world-creating. So it was amazing because I was a, a fan of his work before reading the script to this. So to suddenly see where all those ideas stemmed from and the relationship behind it, that was an incredible story that I just thought had to be told. I first discovered him on, on the set of uh, a movie I was doing called About a Boy when I was about 11, actually. The directors of that gave me The Hobbit to read. And so I loved reading that, and then I, I became a fan of I read The Lord of the Rings and then watched the movies of that. Then this remarkable thing, because I really didn't know much about the man himself. So it was a real learning curve in terms of the romantic interests, his friendships, his, his knowledge, his time at Oxford, and all these things that basically then um, formulated his ideas and, the, and these worlds. And, and even, I didn't, I didn't know that he fought in, in World War I. That was a, yeah, a big learning curve and something that translates wonderfully into this story. Like most people, I think, who discovered Tolkien, they normally start with The Hobbit and then move on. But the thing about The Hobbit was that there was, there was the idea that there was so much more stuff behind it. And in a sense, this movie is about the stuff that he wrote from the start. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's about his formative years. He was orphaned at a, a fairly young age and put into care, and, and that's where he then met the love of his life, Edith Bratt, who's played by Lily Collins in the movie, and, and they spent the rest of their lives together. So it's, you know, and that's who Baron and Luthien, two of his fictional characters, their relationship's based on. But there's also, yeah, as you say, like the depth of his stories and, and his knowledge of language is where it all really stems from, because from a young age he was speaking Latin and then learning and creating his own languages. And then he realized and was educated in a way of, through these friendships that you can't just create languages without creating people to speak them. And then when you create the people, you have to create the worlds that they live in and a history for these people. So suddenly this whole Middle Earth saga of creation came out of basically yeah, his love of language. Another very important person, though she's only in his life and in the film very briefly, and that's his mother, who seemed to be a wonderful storyteller and also fascinated with Swedish sagas, apparently, Norse Norse myths. Yeah, Norse mythology, which, yeah, she would read to him, and she was obviously a huge influence in terms of teaching him languages, but also um, just inspiring that imagination, which then throughout this film can actually spawn a little bit of darkness, whereby 
during World War One, he suffered from trench fever. So there's within those sequences of the movie, there's there's elements of him hallucinating and imagining parts of his fictional worlds that he then created. You you talk about how he went to school. He was always very nervous about money. You know that seemed to be a big problem. But he managed to go to a good school, and when he was there, he met three very significant people in his life, didn't he? Yeah. So he, yeah, he was. I mean, you know, being often he he didn't come from a wealthy background, so. That was something that he was given a lot of responsibility at a young age to take care of his brother and, be, and become the man of the household and also take care of people. So he felt a great pressure in terms of succeeding in life. And when he got to King Edwards, the school that he went to, obviously feeling like an outsider and very lonely, he meets these uh, three guys who become his, his closest friends and inspiration and a safe place for him to create and, and be inspired. We should form a club, a brotherhood. Change the world through the power of art. Music, poetry. And what about Tolkien? I want to write something. It's about magic beyond anything anyone has ever felt before. And that's the fellowship and the relationships that then kind of inspire and, and carry on through his novels and, and something that he had to heal through his art. And that's kind of the big message, I guess, behind this film is these young boys kind of set out trying to change the world through art. And I think Tolkien realises when he's older, post-war, that that's something that art can heal and change and people need those escapes and, and also reflection and, and that's why it's so important. You talk about how uh, Tolkien invented languages from a very early age. I mean, he doesn't invent one, he invented several. But the first one he did, as you say, was inspired in a sense by Finnish. And it's uh, interesting yeah. that you have a Finnish director on the film. Yeah, Domake Rakoski, which is, he's just a phenomenal director and obviously brilliant in terms of the languages as well because he has a grasp and understanding of the rhythms of lots of different Nordic languages and he speaks many languages himself so that's being such a huge part of the character it was important and Dome is also just a, a force of energy and very bold in his decision. Plus we were very lucky in terms of creating the languages for this movie that we had Andy Orchard who's a professor of Anglo-Saxon at Oxford at the moment which is the same position that Professor Tolkien had later in life so he also helped us craft these languages and, and limericks and things that we used within the movie. At the start of this, I said how romantic the entire film is, not just because of the King Arthur, Knights of the Round Table, and then, obviously, Lord of the Rings and things like that, but also the relationship with Edith. I think Lily Collins is fabulous in this. She is. Lily's such a wonderful actress, and she has old movie star quality um, to her performance. And you can completely see why Tolkien was so inspired by her in terms of creating these characters, but also... She really brings a heartbeat to him and his work and, and is very much that strong woman who, who can push him and give him a safe place to create, but also is not afraid to call him out when he's not giving himself properly in a relationship and, and fighting for her. And their love was, yeah, as I say, that they were together until her passing in life. So it was something that, yeah, it was very important to capture and, and play that relationship correctly. And, and Dome gave us time to do that and build it. So we're very lucky. I don't know if it's true or not, but the idea that she introduced him to Wagner and the ring cycle, that seems perfect to me. Yeah, exactly. And she was, yeah, she was more musically inclined, so knew more about that story and, and, and those parts of society. So um, that was, yeah, where the inspiration came from. And she has a wonderful line, which is, tell me a story, which is the <laughs> message of the film, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, completely, this is a story that we felt had to be told and, and had lots of beautiful stories within it and, and characters. And it is, you know, very much about what art can do. And, and I think that's the main takeaway from this film in terms of when you watch it, you kind of realise that creating and, and, and letting those parts of your brain, your imagination flourish is so important. When you read the script, Nicholas, can you remember if there was one thing that most surprised you about it? 
I mean, I was surprised by the whole thing, to be honest with you. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't aware of how I was mispronouncing Tolkien's name. I was saying <laughs> Tolkien. So there was, it, 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 it all surprised me. That was Nicholas Holt starring in the film Tolkien, which opens around the country on June the 6th. The same day, coincidentally, as he appears in the rather different X-Men, Dark Phoenix. And with this story offering two separate endings, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I'll be taking a break next week for Matinee Idol. But I hope you'll join Dan Slevin at the movies same time next week. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 